Hello and welcome to Silence, a podcast where women get really honest about surviving and thriving in what often feels like a man's world. My guests are wonder women from the fields of science, technology, engineering and mathematics or STEM, where inclusivity and diversity can be a real problem. I know this only too well. As a female Southeast Asian mechanical engineer, I was kind of a minority within a minority. I'm Dr. Shanice Omara, an engineer turned broadcaster. Throughout my career, I've worked on and reported on some cutting edge technology and innovation. And through my TV work, I've met some incredibly inspiring women from a diverse range of STEM fields. Talking to these exceptional ladies has often left me feeling empowered, hopeful, and excited about life. I believe silence will enrich you too. Every week, a woman in STEM shares her unique experiences with absolutely no pressure in having to promote her accomplishments guard her impressive reputation because I've come to realize that everyone is just way more open and relaxed when they're anonymous so I deliberately disguise my guest voices so that we're just connecting as human beings rather than human doings. It's my hope that you really relate to what we chat about today. If so, please do subscribe to Silence and maybe even rate and review the show. I'd love to have your feedback. This week, my guest is in the field of railway engineering. Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm great, thank you. How are you today? I'm good. Gosh, uh, the run-up to Christmas is kind of... I mean, I feel like Christmas is going to just pass me by and I'm going to be like, wait, did it happen? (laughs) How's the world of railway engineering? Really good. Um, It's a great time to be in the industry because there's so much development going on, um, as I'm sure you've seen in the news. So there's lots of interesting projects coming up all the time uh, and Mm. opportunities to get stuck in. Yeah. So how did you get into something like railway engineering? Like what was the path from the beginning? So I actually fell into it, um, to be honest. Um, So when I was really young, I mean, as a child, for years, I wanted to go into medicine. Uh, That was my main motivation. I really liked STEM subjects. uh, And my mum being very ambitious pushed me that way. Mm -hmm. As I got a bit older, I realised that medicine wasn't really for me, but I still wanted to work with STEM, so I thought I'd do physics. Um, and uh, w- once I'd done my A-levels, uh, funnily enough, when I got my UCAS offer, like on the day when you get the um, results, the A-level results, I found out I hadn't done well enough in maths, oh, right. uh, which, was, which was a shame. But actually, the university had contacted me before I'd gotten my results to tell me that they had found an engineering course that they thought was more suitable for me. Um, would I be interested in that? I was devastated seeing that as a rejection, went to go and talk to them face to face like a sensible person, mostly because my mum was forcing me to, <laughs> and realised actually I preferred engineering to physics. Yeah. And it would have been the course I would have chosen if someone had actually told me what engineering is, because I don't oh think anyone goodness. really told you yeah. what it is. So that was really lucky, actually. Uh, and then over the course of the uh, over the course of the three-year degree, my one of my professors is part of um, a railway research group. And he would always use railway examples in class. And I started thinking, okay, this is quite interesting. I actually really like what's going on here. Started looking around and the rest is history. Gosh, that's so fascinating that you just didn't, you had no awareness of engineering. No. And I think, you know, a lot of young people kind of are in the same boat, which is exactly why I did Crash Course Engineering, just to give people an intro yeah. into what engineering is. but. You know, even even though I studied mechanical, I must say, I wouldn't really know what railway engineering involves. So what's your kind of daily job like? Um, so it's quite varied, actually. Um, so up until, well, 
today today's my last day up until now i've been um, a graduate i'm just about to go into a new role which is more focused on projects so as a graduate i've jumped around quite a bit which has been fantastic so i've spent time with the maintenance people uh, and actually gone out on track which i absolutely love if you ever get the opportunity to do that i would really recommend it um it's just really cool. Why? What's fun about it? Yeah, so, so I've gone out on track and we've, um, if there's been a fault that needs fixing, we've, we'll go out and fix the fault so that the railway can start running again. Um, I have spent time with more asset management type people. So that's like long term maintenance. You're trying to predict when things will fail. You're looking at the life, sort of the 30, 40 year lifetime of uh, a piece of equipment. So you're trying to predict what's going to happen there. Um, and then I've spent some time with projects, so delivering massive projects um, that are going to affect the country. And that's been really, really exciting. So it's been very, very varied. Uh, mm. and no no one day is the same, which I actually really love. There's so much opportunity, uh, even as a non-graduate, to jump around and try. Mm. You can stay in the same industry, but have about 10 different jobs over your lifetime. I'm actually just picturing you kind of in sort of railway track uh gear sort yeah. of still toe caps, maybe a hard hat something high vid yeah um I mean how does being a woman fit into that so for the most part it's fine um the company that I work at is actually very inclusive um which I feel really lucky with uh the only time I have ever or the only times it's felt like a bit of an issue being a woman has been um so there's always individuals. So sometimes if I go to an external event or especially when I first joined the company, there had been situations where uh, I was with another new starter who was male. And there was an assumption after the end of the conversation that uh, I was their secretary, that kind of thing, even though we were both engineers. Uh, and that was quite shocking. So that was like one of the first things that made me think, OK, is this going to be a problem? Am I going to do something mm. about it? Yeah. But then equally, when I've gone out on track, so that this has been in the office, when I've gone out on track, even though you'll get some of the inverted commas banter, uh, most people are okay. I kind of give as good as <laughs> give as good as I get. Mm. Uh, I don't tend to get people who go too far. If people go too far, I'm more than happy to shut them down. Like you, you know, you'll get the occasional upsetting interaction, but I always feel like I can report it, and then something will happen, which is good. And I don't think everyone has that in that industry. Yeah. I mean, let's go right back to when you were a kid. Like, you're good at STEM subjects. You had maybe a bit of parental pressure um, to go into, like, a STEM-related field. Um, When you were embarking on engineering after you, you know, just recently discovered it, did you think about your gender and how it would fit into this course? Or were you not – were you oblivious to – gender issues um no um so I'm very strongly feminist that's something I'm very proud of and so I always think about uh gender issues I don't I don't make my gender an issue but it is something I think about and when I go when I first started university it was very clear that this was a mostly male field mm. I, I kind of expected that but it was surprising to the extent that it actually was so I think it's 20% why did you think engineering was better for you versus physics because both subjects are quite male dominated, aren't they? Yes. So engineering is a lot more hands on. Yeah. It's essentially applied physics, yeah. as I'm sure you know. And I really, I, I I enjoy doing things with my hands. So I I enjoy baking. It's kind of a little, little bit 
not quite the same as engineering, but I enjoy baking for the same reason. It it's nice to have it's nice to be able to do something, make an input, and then at the end have a productive output that I yeah. that makes me feel proud. Yeah. And with engineering, it's the same thing. I can do the physics analysis, which you need to do for certain engineering theorems. But then at the end of it, to actually be able to make something with my hands and think, I've done that. And then more than that, knowing that a lot of women don't go into that Mm. field and people expecting me not to do it because I'm a woman actually really drives me. Yeah, like I I thought you said, I thought you were going to say drives you nuts. No, it drives me. No, that people aren't expecting me to be able, and then doing it and seeing the yeah. faces, like yeah, challenging yeah. those stereotypes. Yeah, I mean, definitely, engineering really is applied that. physics, and <laughs> there are principles and laws that you know engineering concepts adhere to, which is really awesome. But you're right; it is very hands-on. It's very nuts and bolts, um, and I totally agree with you. I did that ever. Being a woman, did that ever make you think, oh, well, you know, maybe that isn't something I really want to get involved with? You know, the idea of getting your hands dirty and stuff, I think, puts a lot of women off. Um, Yeah, Uh, no, definitely. So before I really knew what engineering was, so before I'd gone to university and started studying it, I definitely felt like that because it never really been explained. I think in the the UK, we engineering doesn't really have a protected status as it does in the yeah. continent so what i mean by that is that anyone can call themselves an engineer um when people think of engineers they mostly think of say mechanics or Green. generally roles that i would describe as technician yeah. roles which are absolutely fine um but that's not really what engineering is and i'm sure you know what i mean by that but so but before before i started the course i thought i would very much be doing a mechanics type thing like fixing cars or or that kind of thing which is interesting in its own right not what i'd personally want to do for the rest mm. of my life Studying at university, I realised it was a professional role, which was much more academic, which really suits me because I I enjoy studying and reading. Um, But then equally, I would learn how to do the hands-on stuff. It's just, it's slightly different. It's a little bit, it's sort of half academic, half hands-on, not 100% hands-on. And realising that really appealed Mm. to me. And I think that's the problem with engineering. We don't really, no one really knows what it is unless you actually work in it. Yeah. I mean... I, I'm so curious to try and figure out what it is that turns women off um, when it comes yeah. to engineering. And, you know, I can hear the excitement and sort of passion for being out on the railway lines and fixing issues and um, being very hands-on. But I don't know whether other women would be thinking, oh, yeah, that's really something I want to do. Oh, I completely agree with you. I mean, so I'm very passionate about STEM. Mm and trying to get people into the industry because we don't have enough uh, women we don't have enough people of color we don't you know we don't have enough of anyone really in the world of engineering uh, especially within railways and i've gone to stem events so i remember this particular apprenticeship fair that i'd gone to uh, and there were there were very few girls who came over uh, and i could see the couple who were stood a couple of meters away would squint look at what my company was called and and think oh, no, no, or they'd even say to their mothers or mouths, oh, yeah, that's not for me. Um, a couple of them came up to me and started asking questions. And surprisingly, the mothers actually said, oh, you won't like that. That's not, that's not you know, feminine. It's a little bit dirty. You won't, that's not for you. You're a bit too girly. Uh, and I was so shocked because, I mean, I, I think I had acrylics at the time. And I said, look at me, I've got long acrylic nails. I wear makeup. I mean, I'm not, not that it should be a stereotypical engineer, but I, I'm very much a believer in being, you know, whoever you want to be. You can be as 
typically masculine or feminine as you want. There is, if you like engineering and you like problem solving, there's a role for you. And I think a lot mm. of women don't see that. You never have to get dirty if you don't want to. And equally, you can get as dirty as you like. Does it not hold you back if you're, you know, sort of, you've got your acrylic nails on and, you know, you're having to muck in with the guys? Um, you not feel slightly disadvantaged? Uh, sometimes. So... More recently, I've started getting shorter ones if I know I'm going to be working in a very practical area. Mm. Uh, but I can still have my nice nails. You know, that, that's the yeah. beauty. They, they, they hold up more than nail polish, actually. Um, <laughs> and I actually <laughs> really relish being sat um, in a depot, say, with the guys and applying like cuticle oil and hand cream and, and filing my nails. <laughs> and like, looking over at me like, is she, is she doing something? Is she really doing that? Yeah. And like please say something sexist <laughs> because I mean it is banter at the end of the day but equally I do enjoy challenging that perception that it, okay women don't go into it but if I am there I must be this stereotypical like very non-feminine person who has no interest in those sorts of things and I and I that's not true Oh my gosh, can we delve into that? Because in order to challenge the stereotypes or challenge other people's expectations of you, you have to really have a strong sense of who you are. Yeah. So first of all, you know, do you, I, I, where, where has this confidence come from? Have you always had it? Yes and no. I think it's something that's come over time. So uh, as a very young child, I was always raised to be quite confident. Um, I might, I guess it comes from my mum. So she's my rock, and she would always tell me to be sure in my opinions and, and to be quite assertive. As I got a little bit older, I was bullied, and that really knocked me. I had no self confidence at all uh, for years, and then after a while, so what were you bullied over? Oh, God, lots of things. I mean, I uh, I think I was bullied for being clever. Yeah. I was bullied for being a person of colour, if I'm being honest. Mm. Uh, just just lots of things. You know, kids kids could be nasty. And it got to the point where I actually dropped out of mainstream education oh, wow. when I was about 16. Lots of things were going on sort of uh, on the side of that, but the bullying was well straw. Yeah. And I didn't think I was going to go back into education at all. Uh, and had a couple of years to to think about things, and then realise actually I really enjoy being academic. I really enjoy doing doing this. The boat hasn't passed oh, me, so to speak. Good for you. Which is yeah, thank you. So you know, went back as a slightly mature student mm. and redid my A levels. And I think along that process, it was that doing something which I thought would have been the worst possible thing in terms of I've ruined my life now. I'm not in mainstream. I, I you know I haven't followed the path that everyone else follows, and then actually oh, it's fine. Okay, the worst possible failure in my mind has happened. Let's build life up again. Let's start doing things again. It reminds me of that saying, um, J.K. Rowling's uh, commencement speech at Harvard, I think, where she said, you know, rock bottom became the solid foundations upon which I built my life. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And even going into um, university, maybe not having as much confidence, even though I was excelling at a lot of skills not maybe having that confidence and then actually it's when I started applying for jobs again and I realized that I was getting pretty much every job that I was applying for maybe I had some really good skills and then as soon as I entered the world of work I just thought screw it I'm just I'm just going to be my best self and it's been fantastic it's actually 
it's felt like it's been a very nurturing environment and I'm, I'm having that life that I dreamt about 10 years ago. And as cheesy as that sounds, it's, you know, it's really wonderful. It's kind of given me hope again that I can recover from literally anything. Wow. That's so inspiring. I mean, I, I'm sure that there are lots of young people out there that may be entering into that sort of dark tunnel. Yeah. Uh, maybe they're being bullied or they're just really frustrated with trying to excel in a very competitive world. Um, you know, what were the things, you know, bearing in mind that this is completely anonymous, like what were the things that made you go into a tunnel and what were the things that really sort of made you come out? And over what kind of time yeah. span? So I think one of the things that wasn't good for me was there was a lot of academic pressure. So I was always the person who got A stars and A's or was top of the class. Um, and In I all actually subjects found, or just STEM? Yes, and everything. Right. And I found that the longer actually the longer you're successful, the more people expect that. Right. And yeah. so the idea of failing was much more terrifying so I think in some ways looking back on it failing was actually a good thing yes like rather than early on in my life and I learned how to get over that um so having that academic pressure from school from to an extent my mum just all around me it made me feel um like I couldn't choose anything that didn't seem like a super smart job and I had to get all the best grades and go to the best university whatever that was Mm. um and I remember being maybe 14 or 15 and going to the careers advisor and being told that uh, I, I shouldn't do an apprenticeship because I was too clever, which is, really angers me now. Mm. Uh, the fact that, that that was something that an adult would say to a young yeah. person. Especially for engineering. Yes, I mean, apprenticeships are great as well. It's and that's something I really like about now. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's becoming fashionable again. Yeah. And for good reason, too. Um, so, yeah, so that, that was a lot. That was pressure, which made me feel like, I, when I didn't want to do medicine anymore, it made me feel like, okay, I don't have any other options. I think the the bullying there was a huge issue. Um, I've been a young carer since about 11. And so looking after uh, my mum, who's disabled, that was a lot of pressure as well. And lots of, I think that's part of what played into me dropping out, kind of just needed some time to focus on things. And it was a dark time. Mm. What kind of age were you? um, So she was, uh, so I was 11 when she was first sort of officially diagnosed as disabled. So that's quite young. I mean, like I said, other kids can quite can be quite cruel if you're different in any way whatsoever. Yeah. So if you've got... And it's such an impressionable like, mm, time. People don't like that, and it's ridiculous. <laughs> now, I just do not care. I'm so much less self-conscious. But yeah, getting out, getting out on the other yeah. side of that, having that time to think and reevaluate, And to be honest, in a lot of ways, seeing those people who made me feel like that and what they had done with their lives and realising that, that was, their behaviour was a reflection on them and I needed to be empowered yeah. to take charge of my own destiny rather than waiting around. Oh, you know, that, that yeah. I, I thought nothing's going to get better. I need to pull myself up. Like it has to be your responsibility to do that. Yeah. Of course, yeah. It's so amazing. I just have goosebumps. Because I feel like, you know, <laughs> through a really tough time, you emerge stronger and you gained skills Definitely. and knowledge about yourself, which has really set you up for the adult you are today um because just you know if I just pick everything you've said apart like you know women that go into STEM subjects or anyone that goes into STEM um does have a tendency towards perfectionism you know we really um 
have very high expectations and push ourselves so hard because STEM subjects tend to be very binary. So, you know, it's all or nothing. You know, you can come to a very precise answer. There is always an answer. Um, And it's just very sort of like logical, rational, neat and tidy. Um, And so it is kind of, it is easy to slip into a state of like high perfectionism. And I almost feel like congratulating you for failing so early. (laughs) There are people, there are people that like, you know, I feel like I I still have these ridiculous expectations of myself and it's made me miserable throughout my life because, you know, you'll get an A star and you're like, well, you know, I, what, I I don't know what happened to that 3%, you know, that kind of thing. And you're just always miserable because you're like, well, it wasn't a hundred percent, was it? You know, so kind of well done for failing early. (laughs) Do you see it that way? I do. I mean, for a long time, I was very embarrassed, if I'm being quite honest. Um, And the thought of bumping into someone from my old life or or whatever made me feel very, uh, made me feel quite apprehensive. It made me feel embarrassed that people might know even more that I still hadn't recovered, you know, up up until a certain point. And now I, I, I bump into people all the time and, you know, I just do, I just don't care. I'm because I'm so happy. And I feel like there's so much good stuff going on. It's so immaterial to anything that's going on in my life now. And I think that's and one that's of the actually, becoming an adult, actually. Yeah, that's, that's one of the other lessons I took from your story, is that it is so important to get to a point where you stop caring what other people think. But it's really tricky when you're young because, you know, you're looking to your elders, you're a bit lost because you don't have that much life experience and you kind of don't, You need to look to others to figure out what it is you want for yourself, but you're not quite sure if what you're choosing is right. And it's just a really difficult time. And to get to a point where you're actually like, no, this is what I want. This is what I want to do. And I don't care what people think is such an empowered place to be. Oh, I 100% agree. I mean, I wouldn't, (laughs) I wouldn't want to be 15 again for all the money in the world. Uh, I'm so confident in who I am as a person now that I I, I just, yeah, I'm I'm very happy with where I am in my life. And I'd like to think that hopefully I will continue to feel like that as I get older and older. I mean, maybe it's a crazy thing to say, but I'm looking forward to being 40 and 50, because if I feel like this now, I can only imagine how good life will be then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what were the turning points that you went through um, to so, to pull yourself up out of that sort of ditch? So I think one of, I think it was taking ownership more than anything, to be honest. So signing, signing up to do A-levels at a slightly later stage was terrifying mm. because I'd, yeah. I'd already had sort of options in front of me at the time we'd already had a path that I could I could go down it wasn't you know the academic path that I planned on going but I had an option and I actually had to say I'm not going to do that I'm going to put myself in a worse situation financially or it felt like that a worse situation I was regressing slightly and that's how it felt at the time Um, Mm. or something that may or may not pay off I wasn't sure but I felt very powerful taking ownership and saying no I think I want to be at x stage in a few years and to do that this is the first step and that can be terrifying, but then actually now being in this position and looking back, and it's actually better than I imagined I, I would have gotten. It's fantastic. Mm. 
And it's it's yeah. it has made me feel vindicated and it's made me it's made me trust my own judgment a bit more. Because I think yeah. there's a lot of pressure at that age to know exactly what you're going to do for the rest of your life. Yeah. And that's so false. And so many people at any age, you know, even people at retirement probably don't know if whatever they did for their job was what they wanted to do for their entire working life. But if you don't make that choice, you're going to be crippled by insecurity and fear. And life's too short for that. Yeah. And how do you feel now with the job that you're doing? Because you are a minority. So um, how are you able to not... Well, I'm assuming you don't feel uncomfortable being in a minority then. No. So initially... Um, I felt uncomfortable because I didn't know much about the industry. So this is just before I joined. Mm. I wasn't sure. So one one thing that was massive for me was I um, I have well, I, I have very long hair um, and it's Afro hair. So when it's when it's out, it's very large. <laughs> um, I hadn't seen anybody in any advertising for my company, or in fact, even searching online sort of the summer before I started, I hadn't seen anyone who looked like me wearing a hard hat. So I was panicking. How on earth is that going to fit? And if I can't fit it on my own, am I going to get the sack before I've even started? Mm. And it it seems like such a small thing, but actually, it's huge. And I, I realized this is actually this can be quite a big barrier. And this is why it's important to have representation because that's just one instance. But not seeing people who look like you in an industry can be quite hard. Yes. Um, so I was I was really proud. Sort of, I guess a year later, I was asked to be part of our International Women's Day campaign. Um, which was sort of shown all over social media, and I wore my hair naturally. Wow. And knowing that, hopefully there will be some young women, or or men, but especially some young women who look like me who would have seen that and thought, oh, this company is for me, engineering is for me. That made me feel really, really, really proud. Yeah, it just sounds like you had so much support. Yes. For just being you. Yeah, which is, I mean... Yeah, I, I'm so pleased with that. Like I said, there are, there are, I guess there are some individuals who can make you feel uncomfortable, especially before I started. I wasn't sure going into the depots as well. I, I wasn't sure whether or not I'd be accepted because that is very, very male. Um, it's generally older men as well. Um, well, it's a mix. but There are a lot of older men um, who have certain attitudes, I guess, because they're not mm-hmm. uh, different generations, essentially. So the language that I would use around feminism and equality if I use that in some of those environments, I would look like um, I was maybe a bit up myself. Yeah. I didn't want to go in there immediately alienating people because that wasn't my, you know, that's not what I wanted to do. But then actually going in there and speaking to people like the human beings, because they are, and realising that most people were willing to learn. And even if they were being a bit jokey and a bit dismissive, if you really stood your ground, they were fine. That Mm. was actually really refreshing. Yeah. And that's what drove me to try to drive some change within my company because most people are fine. And I think that's really important. Yeah, it's it sounds like you've overcome a barrier that a lot of be- people get caught up in, which is um you even mentioned it, you know, when you try and have boundaries or you try and stand up for yourself, that can often be misinterpreted as she's aggressive. She's really stuck up, but she she has a sense of entitlement, you know, just all the wrong assumptions when actually all we're doing is defending ourselves. Yes, definitely. 
And I find that I've experienced that a lot where I'm simply just trying to stand my ground. And it's often interpreted as, oh, she thinks she's, you know, really high and mighty. And it's like, no, I'm, I'm literally just not wanting to let you use me as a doormat. Oh, yeah, I 100% agree. And, I, and that's something I think I get a lot as well. Yeah, like, <laughs> I mean, I'm... how have you coped with it? Because, yeah, no. Yeah, so I, I recently um, sent out, I mean, I'll, I'll get little comments. So I, I do things, I do a lot of things within my company to try to promote diverse, diversity and inclusiveness um, and lots of drives like that, lots of those programs. I'm very, like I said, I'm, very, I'm a very passionate feminist. I think it's important that we think about equality in our society. So where I can get any influence, I will. And I've I've had lots of comments from or some comments from people suggesting that because I I involve myself in these initiatives and I'm sort of centre stage that maybe I'm self-interested or in meetings because I'm quite I can be very confident and quite assertive that I'm maybe too assertive or a bit too icy. And that's something I've I mean, if a lot of people say I'm I'm not above taking feedback, I really relish feedback. So I try to be emotionally intelligent and vary my interactions with people based on their personalities if I know that they don't like a certain communication style but then equally the cynic in me thinks would a man really get told you are being too assertive or you're being too direct or you're being too professional and you should be a bit more sort of jokey jokey and I just think that's ridiculous I mean you're not going to ask you know before you ask for a pdf or something you're not going to put how is every single one of your family members and how is this and that and and I think people expect that as a woman a little bit more Mm. Yeah. I mean, all of these comments from people, um, those negative comments are designed to unsettle. Yeah. Um, and I must admit, for a large part of my career, it worked. Yeah. <laughs> like, those kind of negative comments really unsettled me and it made me second guess myself it made me go into self-doubt question what I'm doing how I'm doing it you know all those all those kind of imposter syndrome style um, thoughts that you know are absolutely designed to sort of like take you down a peg or two yes Um, and it's it's work to overcome that but it sounds like you've got it sorted. I have very good mentors. Right. So I, I'm a huge believer in mentorship. I don't think mm. enough people um, use mentorship, especially women. I don't think it's something that's really known about that much. Mm. Uh, I don't think it's promoted enough. So I've got um, I've got several mentors. I've got an, uh, an academic or more professional mentor who's helping me with my professional registration stuff. So I'm a huge believer in chartership. I mean, a chartership is something that, uh, as a woman, it, it's a mark telling people that you are to be trusted. Mm. And unfortunately, you probably you might not need that as a man, but especially being a, a woman who looks very young. For me, it's important to have a tick against my name to say I know exactly what what it is I'm doing because I can challenge that. So I've got a mentor from that side of things um, who is also a woman, which is fantastic. And she can help me with a more technical side of things uh, and has been an absolute rock over the last two years I've been in the industry. And then I've got a mentor who is more about my non-technical development 
So I'm I'm very interested in, or I'm very ambitious, and I'm very interested in developing my career further, not just on the technical level, but more on the management side of things, so that I can hopefully, 20 years from now, really drive change and try to make things better for women and better for people who look like me and better for everyone in the industry. Um, and she's also a woman, so it's great, actually, and quite unusual to have two very strong women yeah. who've got these careers behind them giving me advice. And when I've had my little wobbles or, or people have made me feel not great about myself, I can go to them and say, this has happened. Is this an issue? And it'll either be, yes, you're being a bit over the top. You shouldn't do that. Or nine times out of 10, actually, I think the way to handle that is like this. And that person has this personality and they're trying to unsettle you yeah. and whatever. They're giving me their experience. And that's so valuable because I couldn't do that on my own. Yeah. I think sometimes women resist having mentors because they think that asking for help or sort of like crying wolf, I guess, is a sign of weakness. And often women that go into STEM are very strong personalities um, or at least very determined. And um, so kind of asking for help or needing to lean on someone else is seen as... um, some kind of failure i think it can be but i think what lots of women don't understand is that men everywhere have mentors even if they are not saying it outright they have got mentors um, and they're using them and we're putting ourselves at a disadvantage if we yeah. don't also so what do i mean by that um i mean that lots of people in engineering at least will get into that lots of men because their father's an engineer or their uncle or someone that they know is an engineer and so they have been giving, they've been coaching them for the last however many years since childhood on this is what engineering is. Um, this is what you need to look at when you're at university. This is the career move to make. You know, they can follow in their career footsteps. And even if they don't have that family member, lots of studies have shown that people tend to hire people that look like themselves or rather remind them of themselves. And so it's very easy for men to make those bonds and, and have that sense of camaraderie with random older men that they'll meet in the workplace when they first enter the workplace yeah. and get that advice while if you are a woman or a person of, co- person of color or both you're not maybe as relatable to these people who don't look like you and so they might not be as likely to even think that you'd be interested in doing whatever it is that you're they're doing so you've got to seek out your own mentors and you've got to seek out your own advice yeah i don't know why there is this kind of uh, general assumption that uh, you've got to do this alone. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, STEM subjects can be quite isolating, you know, when you're trying to crack a maths or physics theory. Like, you're kind of, it's not really a subject that you can study for as a group. You know, I, for me, anyway, STEM subjects are very much like an individual pursuit. Yeah, definitely. You've got to, you know, you, you can study as a group as much as you like, but you need to understand it for yourself because you're on your own. Yeah. Now. Yeah, and so by definition, I think sometimes STEM students tend to be um, that bit more introverted. And so the idea of getting mentors is just not something that would come naturally to STEM students. But I can totally see now, actually, thinking about it, how, you know, going for beers after work, um, you know, whatever it is that guys do to hang out, hang out together is really a form of mentorship. It is. Yes, it, it definitely is. And I mean, that's, that's something I've kind of tried to uh, take advantage of in some ways. So I know that generally 
I will not be invited to be after work. Or that is the assumption because women don't tend to drink beer as much, or, or you yeah. know, that's the perception. And so I flipped that on its head, and um, I've started a sort of beer beer appreciation club, and I've invited all of these random men in the office along, and it's completely changed their perception of me. <laughs> in what ways? So first of all, it's it, so, uh, I think our first couple of meetings I had, oh, this is interesting. Who's who's arranged it? Is it Bob over there? I'm like, no, it's me. And they look over like, but you're a little girl. How can you possibly <laughs> have <interest> in this? <laughs> um, and then suddenly they realise they have something in common with me and they start opening up and being a little bit more human. Um, and you're making those connections without realising. So you're having a fun time, but actually you're getting that extra mentorship element almost or building those relationships you wouldn't normally get mm. do you actually like beer i do like beer yeah and i don't know i don't know why so many especially men at work are so surprised yeah i mean you sound like a really fascinating individual because for someone that can wear acrylic nails um and start a beer appreciation society is pretty impressive like it must be very confusing for your colleagues it's like oh, you don't quite know what to make of this person yeah <laughs> but people are multifaceted and, and that's I think that's the wonder of being a human being you don't have to stick yourself into one box right and that is the other thing that I really wanted to delve into is like you know to be able to allow yourself to be your multifaceted self takes a lot of courage and a lot of uh, self belief do you think you have those things and you know how are your levels of maintenance of those things if you do have them I I definitely do have those things um most of the time I have very strong self self belief and self-confidence but I definitely have my wobbles so I think being a perfectionist so you mentioned earlier that people who study STEM subjects tend to be quite perfectionist and I think having those personality traits being a high achiever there's a lot of anxiety that goes with that and that's something that I definitely feel I mean there have been so many times where I've thought I'm doing terribly or that I'm not doing quite enough and I've been self-critical um, to the point where it's been very much the detriment of my mental health but I've got a very good support network around me and I'm yeah. going to try to put things into perspective. Uh, you can keep setting the bar higher and higher and higher for yourself. But where does it stop? You're, you're just going to drive yourself mad. Uh, and one of the really good things about being at work and not being in academia anymore, actually, has been that with university very or any level of schooling, it very much felt like at the end of the day, there was something else you could be doing. You could be pushing yourself even more. And if you didn't, you were somehow a failure. Well, with work, I find that even though I can do more stuff, I'm not being paid for that extra stuff. It's The onus is completely on myself. I'm the one forcing myself to do this extracurricular activity. So if I let it slip, okay, a couple of people are going to be disappointed. But nothing bad is going to happen. It is okay to sometimes take, you know, a bit of a cliche, but take a mental health day and think about what's best for me. Mm. So it, it's doing stuff like that. It's trying to put it into perspective and, and sometimes take a step back and think, actually... It's great I'm doing all this stuff. And I might feel like I'm being a complete failure right now because it doesn't feel like anything's going to plan. But I've got a roof over my head. I've got food in my belly. And actually thinking back to that time where I had a really low point and thinking, think about how much more progress you've made. It's like a reset button. You know, it feels terrible now, but actually have I not done better than I had 10 years ago? 
Yeah, listening to you makes me think that you have a lot of self-acceptance. That's, I think, what it is in a nutshell. Like you really have accepted yourself for who you are. And maybe the first moments of that were when you had to sign up again for your A-levels. And it was like, well, I've taken time out. I'm going back to do my A-levels. And that's just my story, you know? Yeah. And it feels like, it sounds like that self-acceptance has stayed with you all the way up until this point and will remain. Um, But I think that's really at the root of your very empowered presence that you have. Yeah, I mean, I I would say self-acceptance, it's definitely very hard earned. Mm. Um, And it's, yeah, it's taken a long time. And and I'd say, yeah, you're you're right. It is definitely at the root of who I am. I mean, there has, I've come to realise that in society, there are so many different people who are telling me that I am not enough whether that's as a woman as a person of color as a so I'm I'm um, I'm dyslexic as well so in that sense as well you know there are so many little categories that I fit into where there is someone who will be telling me that I'm not good enough so I can either complain about not being good enough or I can just accept that is who I am and that doesn't you know that of course it doesn't mean I'm not good enough but you know I there's no point complaining about it because it's not going to mm. change so I can make the most of who I am and really own that you're just going to make yourself miserable otherwise yeah I mean you said something earlier where um you said that now when you see the bullies and you look at their lives and you realize that a lot of the things they were bullying you about was just them projecting their own sort of misery onto you and seeing how you would take it um I found that really fascinating because often bullies are the people that are suffering and they kind of just want to oh, dump it on someone else and so you know you seem to have got to a point where you really know that about others and you're like listen if you're you know having a dig at me it's probably because you're you know sad about something and I just like that's really really empowered no, it, it, no. So my, I, I think as partially, my, my dad always used to say that um, if people, so just from his own experience, if people come into your house and they uh, badmouth things in your house, so they criticise things, that's normally because they feel jealous of something that's better than what they've already got. And uh, I think that really applies to mm-hmm. everything. Generally, if people have the time to focus on another person uh, and pull them apart, whether that's looking at a celebrity and, and complaining about how horrible they look or complaining about someone's personality or you know just complaining about people at work that's normally because that's reflecting something in themselves either something that they are jealous of something they wish that they had or maybe something you know it's just something like that and it's always more about that person like you think about if you're happy and you're content in your own life have you got time to think about what Barbara over the road is doing no you're too you're too busy thinking about your own life and how you can progress yeah like if you were living in like a just you know a, an average decent house and then you went into a mud hut you wouldn't go you wouldn't say to the mud hut owner oh this place is you know looks like shit and it, it it's it's crap yeah. and you know you just you, you just wouldn't <laughs> yeah. do that to someone yeah yeah totally that's fascinating 
It sounds like you do a lot of um, self-reflecting and, you know, just, it sounds like self-awareness and emotional intelligence are really important to you. Um, And that's fantastic for the workplace and your career and things that you are more in control of than say other things like relationships where you can't really control other people um how do how does your approach your very sort of self-accepting approach to life um affect the things you can't control like family friends relationships so when it comes to things like um, relationships and specifically friendships one thing I really started doing is so I'm 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 always the person who will instigate things. I, I'm always the person who will organise a get together or, or push for time spent together. I'm always the first person to text or call. And for years that made me feel quite bad about myself because I wondered why no one else felt the need to make that effort with me. Mm. Um and then as I've gotten older, I've realised, and I think a lot of this probably comes from having security in my romantic relationships, but I, I realised that with my friendships if people can't be bothered to get in contact with me, that's not my problem. You know, I, I can, very cliched, but it's better to have a small group of friends that you get on really well with than trying to keep in contact with lots and lots of people. Um, and now I, I've started realising that friendships are just like relationships. Sometimes you'll get on really great with someone for a year and never speak to them again, or maybe you get on well because you work with them and then they move departments and you realise it was a relationship of convenience. And that can be really hurtful because you feel that you've made that bond. But actually, if they can't be bothered to actively be in your life, there's no point stressing yourself about it because you're just going to make yourself feel so bad. And again, it's a reflection of them. Um, and I think a lot of that comes from having a very secure romantic relationship. My my partner has never, even when we first started going out, he was the sort of person who would always text back straight away. You know, he would never he would never play the dating game of waiting three days to get back to me and making me wonder whether he liked me. He was very open and honest. And that that kind of gave me an education in if people are pure in their intentions and they're not trying to play games with you, they won't play games with you. And that applies to every relationship, not just romantic ones. Mm. Gosh, he sounds like a keeper. (laughs) (laughs) No, we're getting married next year, so he definitely is. Well, and you know, for a very strong... um, determined and ambitious woman what kind of partner um fits yeah so he's um (laughs) he's very different from me he's very introverted which is interesting so I'm um most of the time I'm very extroverted I I have no problem with going to somewhere new say a networking event or or whatever and walking into a room Mm. full of 200 people I've never spoken to before talking to all of them or even getting on stage and doing some public speaking that's that's fine with me um while if he does not know i say we're going to a party with five people if he doesn't know every single one of them very well he will not go um but i think it works really well because he tempers me a little bit so if there's something that i if i have one reaction to something he will probably have the exact opposite reaction and he can actually give me his point of view as to why he would approach something slightly differently I'm more like mm. go into an argument or disagreement with something very passionately, and and he yeah. he might pull me back and say, actually think about it from this perspective. Are you know are you giving yourself more grief? And mm. that, that's really powerful. 
I think if I had to go out with someone who was like me, we'd absolutely have killed each other by now. Yeah. And so for someone who is so strong um, and kind of outgoing, uh, is it the, do we, to STEM women, because, you know, a lot of STEM women are very strong characters, alpha females, um, do we need to attract uh, partners who are a certain way, like, you know, maybe more supportive or, you know, what do you think works for women like us? I think, yes, I think support is a huge thing. Um, so, I mean, one one example of this is I would really like to have children one day. And I, as I'm sure lots of women in the working in STEM fields feel, I've, I feel quite worried about that because I don't know how that's going to affect my career in the future. Yeah. Um, and one thing that's been really great about my partner is that he has always expressed the desire to be the one who stays at home. Now I know that's quite unusual. That's not going. To, that's not going to happen for most people. But very early on in our relationship, you know, he's he. Well, not, I'll tell you what happened. I first said, "We'll get a nanny. It will be fine." Uh, and he said, "One parent must stay at home with the child." And I said, "If you like children so much, why don't you stay at home with the child?" And the rest is history. <laughs> but actually, but actually, having someone who's willing to do that and he's willing, you know, we've already agreed that if one of us is going to be the career person, it'll be me, and he's happy to play that. Um, I guess more traditionally female role which you know again nothing wrong with that but for my personality it doesn't work it's actually really really good he he is willing to take supportive role so that I know that I can push myself as much as possible and I can come home at the end of the day and you know and he we will share all the chores so he you know he loves we both love cooking so sometimes we'll fight over who gets who gets to cook but it's lovely coming home and actually he's done the cooking Mm. and he's willing to do that and I think if I was with someone who is more alpha male say And they were, and I was competing with them about who's going to get the next promotion, and and we're fighting over who's staying at home and all that sort of thing. I don't think that would work. I I need someone who's going to be one hundred percent there for me, and so we slot in really well with each other. So I, that that for me, I think that's my advice. It's having someone who can support you in every way, whether that's you're like me and you want to go out and be the person working, or whether you're a STEM STEM woman who wants to stay at home, but you've got that support from your partner to stay at home and still do your STEM pursuits. You need someone who compliments you. Yeah, I mean, I think you've really found um, a great fit for you because you do sound very ambitious. And that was going to be my sort of um, final question of like, you know, how for someone that is so driven and, um, you know, wants to go into management and everything, how do you fit children in? And I think, you know, like men, um, men traditionally have been able to have it all they've been able to have the family the home the high-powered job because of the help they get from their partners in doing all of that um and I don't think there is anything that should stop women uh trying to have the same situation which is that they seek partners that are willing to help them out in having it all Oh, definitely. And I think that that's a huge thing that's going to hopefully come with more equality in our society. It's not just empowering women to be able to say that they want that. It's empowering men to be able to say that they want to stay at home without being laughed at. Exactly. I mean, there have been, uh, I remember one situation, there was one guy in my company who wanted to stay, I think he wanted to take the regular paternity leave. And some of his colleagues were you know, taking the mick out of him that, oh, you know, 
oh, you want to, yeah. you know, you're going to stay at home for a bit too long, like, you need to get back and you know, do real work kind of thing. And that's not, you know, that's not the general company, at, well, it's not, you know, it's not the official company line at all. But within his little group, within his team, he was getting that negative attitude. It really affected him. And I kind of had to go to the side later at lunchtime when no one was looking and saying, don't worry about that. These are your rights. This is what you can do, which he really appreciated. But uh, equally, I've spoken to very senior men within my company who have said that paternity leave was really important for them. And being in the financial position where they could take time off work Mm. to help raise their children has been so wonderful for them. So... With, with feminism, it's not just well, inequality. It's not just promoting women who have strong, very strong personalities or promoting the equality of women. It's allowing men to be a little bit softer as well. Yes, yeah. We're not going to have equality without that, that balance. Anyone can be who they want to be. It's not just about everyone being the alpha. Yes. I really feel like um, these conversations are happening more and more where the conclusion is that um, men's attitudes need to change or probably more accurately men need to feel like they can just be their true selves because I think a lot of men have felt pressure peer pressure to be that sort of alpha male role and they're missing out they're missing out on bonding with their children they're missing out on the beauty that is a loyal loving committed relationship with the chosen partner. And I just feel yeah. like, you know, they've really missed out on something beautiful because of this. I, I don't know what's driven it. The sort of alpha male, like, you know, um, chest beating kind of, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what's caused that. And I don't know why we've gone down that road for so long, but I do feel like we're at a time um, where things are changing. I've had people men contact me about this podcast saying thank you so much for doing this podcast it's really great that you're doing this for women in STEM but there are men out there that have the same issues that women have and it's like wow I didn't I didn't realize you know yeah I think it's really important that there's it's a two-way conversation I mean one thing that my mentor always really says is so say flexible working it's not going to start being taken more seriously as something for everyone until everyone starts yeah. using it. It's another thing that's seen as being just for women. And so they're probably dossing a bit because pregnancy and childbirth and staying at home with kids is super easy. To do all <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but until men feel like that's an option for them, whether that's because, I don't know, they want to pursue some kind of leisure activity on a Thursday afternoon or, or just because they want to work a few hours, unless that's a legitimate option for everybody and society changes a bit, it's always going to be seen as just a female thing. So we need that true equality that will benefit yeah. everybody. Yeah. I'm starting to, you know, in, in, in having this conversation, I'm starting to really see the wood from the trees as to how um, corporate... Um, situations need to change in terms of attitudes and I think you know there has to be we have to start having healthy boundaries about what work is and what personal time is and what family time is and and really change attitudes to say that all of those things are important to having a well-balanced quality of life 
And yes. um, I think if we all unite um, in terms of male and female in realizing that um, balancing our lives between personal, professional, um, and sort of me time is important, it, we're never going to reach parity, I think. So, yeah, it's, it's not, yeah. it's not an easy thing to change, um, and it will take time. But talking to you today has made me realize that we are as close. I mean, you know, for someone that's in railway engineering, which is so traditionally male-dominated and kind of, you know, difficult to change quickly, I just feel full of hope that we're on our way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do too. Yeah. Thank you so much for chatting to me. Uh, it's been really, really insightful, and I feel like we have mentioned so many things that we could have like really delved into. But I think during this conversation, we have um, touched on areas that need to be brought to the surface, and hopefully um, provoked more discussions between others. Thank you so much for having me. That's it from my STEM guest this week. Um, isn't she such a role model of the change that we've been hoping for? I mean, listening to my guest this week has filled me with hope and kind of excitement for the way engineering is going. I think things are changing. I think, you know, with her attitudes and the attitudes of her colleagues at work, um, the future could be really bright in terms of reaching some kind of gender equality and, 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 and just general quality of life at work. Really, I'm really excited about that. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to rate and review the show and catch you next week on Silence. <laughs>